DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents Begin Again, The Spiritual Legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University, and he has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teachings about the spiritual life. Father Gallagher is the author of several books published by the Crossroads Publishing Company on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series, Living the Discerning Life, the Spiritual Teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Begin again, the spiritual legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Gallagher, thank you for joining me once again. Thank you for having me again, Chris. It's always great. We're talking about the life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. And in this particular portion of his life, we really see him, can we say, blossoming even under the crushing that is occurring all around him, given the political and cultural circumstances of the time. Well, I think what you see there is how the quiet years of steady application to the spiritual life begin to bear fruit now, so that when everything is collapsing and the society around him under war and occupation and persecution of the church, he has a kind of strength which makes him a pillar of uh, a rock, a pillar for, for others as well. So it's in these years, yes, that the slow, patient attention to the spiritual life, which does not appear in its fruits now, begins to, to blossom before others. I think we can just set the stage one more time for people that might have missed the previous conversations that we've had, that in this area, the even though he's in Italy, it is affected greatly by the political and situation in France. Yes, Italy at that time was a hodgepodge of little duchies and kingdoms and republics, and Venerable Antari belonged to the northwestern corner of present-day Italy, which was then the kingdom of Piedmont. So it was a small nation nestled right up against France. And all of the turmoil in France, the French Revolution and the persecution of the church, and then the wars that the French Revolution waged uh, throughout Europe spilled violently over into the kingdom of Piedmont and so uh, dramatically affected the, the life of that little nation and therefore Father Lanteri's life as a priest. And so you had all of this. You had It was a defeated nation. It was occupied by a much greater power and a power which at that time, as a result of the French Revolution, was deeply, deeply hostile to the Catholic Church and very, very oppressive to it. So that he supported the Holy Father, carried on his life as a priest at the risk of his life, really. So it was it was in those circumstances. These are dramatic circumstances of great turmoil in the culture and persecution of the church. And here is a man, a priest, who is staying the course and becoming, as you said earlier, a source of strength for others in those dramatic circumstances. The year is 1800, and it is at a time when religious suppression is, can we say, at its probably its ugliest, its peak, the, there's a suppression of religious orders, particularly those of women. 
It began with the suppression of the orders of women, but that was consciously just the first step. And within two years, the the French government had suppressed all of the religious, um, male and female. And they were just, within a matter of days, pushed out into the street and had to survive as, as best they could, find lodging where they could, and try as best they could to live as much of their religious life and vows as was possible in those circumstances. But it wasn't just the suppression of religious that the year that precedes the 1799 was, according to some historians, the most critical moment in the entire history of the church. Because what you had was the Holy Father, Pius VI, taken prisoner, force marched up into southern France where this 82-year-old man succumbed and died of exhaustion, as the French really intended. Uh, Rome was occupied by the French armies. The cardinals were exiled and scattered so that one pope had died and there seemed no possibility of electing another. So these were the circumstances of the church uh, at that time. They were quite difficult and quite dramatic. It would be enough if we as individuals suffering through this, being concerned about our own futures and the ability to be able to live out our own lives. But here we have Venerable Bruno, who is dealing with the people that are coming to him with such discouragement and despair and anxiety. And in some cases, not only that fear and discouragement, in the case of the religious, for example, just stark material need uh, on the most basic levels of places to stay and, and ways in which they could in some way continue to live their faith. To be publicly faithful to the Holy Father and the Church of Rome in those circumstances, as you can imagine, demanded quite a lot of courage and actually some some prudence, some wisdom, because it was by hiding some of this activity that Venerable Anteri was able to make it through. I won't say unscathed, because the French were not unaware, secret police were not unaware of his leanings and the of the number of people who came to him, and eventually he would be arrested condemned without trial, forced into exile. His priestly faculties would be stripped. He would pay the price for it. But he found there was a wisdom, the virtue of prudence in its classic sense, to find the the wisest way to live faithfully the church and the most effective way to do it in those circumstances. I think we could say that Venerable Anteri was a real master at that. In the book, you give us several examples of how he assisted those souls that were seeking something, they weren't exactly sure, they were trying to walk in holiness in his guidance as a spiritual director. Well, we can look at one letter which he wrote as a young priest still to a woman who had turned to his mentor, Father Diesbach, for spiritual guidance and was directed by Father Diesbach to the still young Father Lanteri young, probably around 30 at the point. There's no specific date on the um, on this particular letter. But this woman is dealing with uh, discouragement. And I, I think, as you pointed out earlier, uh, Chris, it would be very easy to be discouraged in times when that were so threatening for, for the faith and which the future would be so uncertain. But there was another reason, too, why discouragement could be widespread, even among very good Catholics. And that was because of the, the Jansenist-inspired sacramental practice, which tended to see God as a very harsh and severe God, let's say exactly the opposite of what Pope Francis is presenting to us today uh, in keeping with the Gospels, the God who loves to forgive. There was a whole array of reasons for which people could easily be discouraged. And this particular woman was no exception. 
And she has written to him about her faults, and this is what discourages her, that she seems to keep falling into the same failings and faults and sins and the rest, and just sees her weakness repeating over and over again. And when this keeps happening, a time comes when she is now discouraged. And so he he replies to her and tells her that holiness is not a matter of not failing. And that's an important thing for all of us in the spiritual life, that holiness is not a matter of not failing or of never failing. But what he tells her is that holiness is a matter of rising immediately. And the adverb is important. And that is, he wants her not to allow herself to remain in the discouragement as she sees again the same failure, but to immediately, to rise again, to recognize that yes, she is weak, and to turn to God and ask his forgiveness. And this he tells her, do this with peace of heart, without letting yourself be troubled. Now, one thing he tells her that is going to help her a great deal in doing this is to see God as God truly is. And what he tells her is that we can easily tend to think of God or measure God by our own reactions to things, by the way we are as human beings when we're faced with people who just keep doing the same thing over and over again and never seem to change, keep slipping up, keep failing, never seem to get it right. And as time goes by, we get tired of this. We grow weary of it. We, we tend to pull away from a person like that. And he says, we can easily think that God is like that with us. And so he says, it is, it's, it is very, very important. And this is the heart of what turns discouragement into hope. It is very important to have a deep sense of the goodness of God. Now, that seems very simple to say. But when I'm staring my failure, my repeated failure, again in the face, that can be hard to grasp immediately. And so where he wants to lead this woman is a life of prayer in which she becomes increasingly rooted in a deep sense of the goodness of God. And he tells her, think of God the way God truly is, filled with goodness, with mercy and compassion. Now, one of the things that I have at times quoted to people, sometimes from this very letter, in meetings of spiritual direction or when people come for the sacraments, is this remarkable teaching of Father Lanteri to a woman who is discouraged when she looks at her spiritual condition by recognizing that in the moment itself in which we turn to God humbly, repentant, lifting up our broken hearts and our repeated failure again to him, in that instant itself, he tells this woman, God grants his forgiveness. And not only does he grant his forgiveness, and not only does he never tire of granting his forgiveness, but he loves to do this. And he says we give God great joy and great honor when we seek his forgiveness. Now, if we could really grasp that that is the truth of our God, then the burdens of discouragement that we can so easily feel begin to lighten. And the result is, as he tells her, he says, be of good courage. Let your heart be joyful. Give yourself to God as completely as you can. Banish any doubts. Tell God you never want to do anything consciously that would displease him. And then a lovely line in which he concludes this letter. He says, for the rest, do not be troubled. God is with you and will help you and will not let you fall. And this theme which emerges in some of these early letters of spiritual direction that we have of the Venerable Land Terry will be something that he will tirelessly repeat over and over again to, to men and women uh, throughout the long years of his priesthood. And that's what made him such a wonderful source of hope for so many people. It's striking that in his letters of spiritual direction, 
in counsel that it is something that is so applicable even today in our circumstances. It, it would go on in the manuscript to talk of his spiritual direction for a married woman. He could be speaking to any married woman today with the counsel that he is giving. Well, our cultural conditions change, but the fundamentals of the, of the Christian life and of the basic vocations, in this case marriage, they don't change. Uh, it is striking. This is 200 years ago, but it's the same issues. And he, he tells her to think often about the fact, and this is something I think that we don't often think about today, but it's what Ignatius, St. Ignatius calls the principle and foundation. That is the principle from which everything else in our life follows as a consequence and the foundation on which everything else in our lives is built. These fundamental truths that, that we, are, we are created by God. We are in this world and we have life by God's eternal design and by his creative act. And the reason that God has put me in this life is this single purpose, so that in the years of my life, as Ignatius says, I may praise God, that my life may give glory to God and make him more known and loved, and that I may serve God and by living in this way, enter into eternal life. And as he tells this woman who is now, um, has been called by God to the married vocation, that not only is God calling her to praise and serve him in a general way, but he's calling her to praise and serve him specifically in this condition of life, as a married woman with a husband and with children, with this particular place where she lives and relationships with this particular set of people and these occupations in the course of the day. God has called her to these, and it's in those circumstances that God is calling her to holiness. Now, I think when we actually take time to think about this, that if I am married and have a spouse and have children and live in the lay vocation, the lay married vocation with the occupations that fill my day today and are part of my life uh, as I live the months and years of my life, if I can call to mind that none of this is by chance, that all of this is by God's specific design and call to me, that God has given me these persons in my marriage and in my family, and has called me to love and serve them, spending the hours of my day in this way, then nothing is routine anymore. Nothing is simply getting things done because they have to get done. But everything assumes its truth. It's a beautiful thing when we live in the truth, because then our lives, to use a phrase of Gerard Manley Hopkins, our lives explode into meaning. The things that seem so apparently routine and tedious even can be filled with, with enormous energy because they have meaning. When things acquire meaning in our lives, then we can live them with a whole new energy. So this is the first thing that the Venerable Ann Terry invites this woman to do in this spiritual program that he traces for her, and that is become familiar with the basic truths that underline why you are living this life and the meaning of your life as a wife and mother in the married state. As Ignatius says, that's the foundation. Out of that, everything else can flow. We'll return to Begin Again with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. 
Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. The Councils of Mercy, an excerpt from the writings of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Above all, I recommend with all my heart that you guard against discouragement, disturbance, and sadness. Seek always to keep your poor heart in peace and encourage it, and always to serve God with holy joy. Be of good heart, because the Lord is with you, and he loves you. For more excerpts from the writings of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, visit discerninghearts.com. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. A Prayer for the Intercession of Venerable Bruno Lanteri O Father, fountain of all life and holiness, you gave Father Bruno Lanteri great faith in Christ your Son, a lively hope, and an act of love for the salvation of his brethren. You made him a prophet of your word and a witness to your mercy. He had a tender love for Mary, and by his very life he taught fidelity to the church. Father, hear the prayer of your family, and through the intercession of Father Lanteri, grant us the grace for which we now ask. May he be glorified on earth, that we may give you greater praise. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We now return to Begin Again with Father Timothy Gallagher. It seems as though he emphasizes the importance of structure, or at least a, a faithful commitment to a regular program of prayer. Yes, this will be another one of the, the consistent tenets of his spiritual direction. And that is that if all we have is 
a praiseworthy but somewhat vague and generic desire in spiritual things. I'd like to become more prayerful. I'd like to become more patient. I'd like to grow in my faith. Those are wonderful desires, but as long as they remain generic and floating, we won't sustain them. What makes the difference between holy desires and holy desires that increasingly have a real and sustainable impact in our lives is a certain amount of structure, a certain amount of order, a certain amount of method in the way we go about our spiritual life, our life life of the sacraments and our life of prayer, specifically speaking. Now, we need to use this flexibly. And obviously, if we think of the married vocation, uh, the woman who is up all night, two or three nights in a row with children who are ill, is in a different situation from the woman maybe whose children are grown and have left home. So all of this has to be applied to the specific circumstances of each person who is living the married vocation. But the principle applies to all. And that is that in a way that it realistically fits with the circumstances of marriage to which God has called me to make concrete decisions about specific spiritual practices. So, for example, he will invite her to try to go to confession regularly, even weekly if she can. And he invites her to try, if she can, to get to communion weekly. Now, in those days, uh, when communion was so infrequent, oftentimes people would just go once a year during the the Easter season, you can sense that what he's telling her in our contemporary terms is stay as close to the Mass and communion as you can. Get there as often as you can. So that would look like things for us. That would look like something like uh, Masses during the week and whenever we can get to it. He also invites her to make 15 minutes of meditation a day. And I wonder if we want to think about that for a moment. The difference between a spiritual life in which A person never really stops to reflect on the truths of our faith or of the scriptures and a different spiritual life in which a person in the married vocation tries to find, if it's possible, 15 minutes a day to reflect prayerfully on the truths of our faith. It might mean spending 15 minutes a day with the daily readings from the Mass, even if we can't get to Mass that day, with something like the monthly Magnificat, or all kinds of publications that can help us do this. Uh, It might mean slowly reading through anything in the scriptures. There, There are many different ways that we can do this, Lexio Divina and so on. And then he invites her, if she can, to try to spend 15 minutes a day doing spiritual reading. I think we can ask the same question once more, and that is, what would be different in a spiritual life in which a person never does spiritual reading, or will amplify it today to the digital means, listens to a podcast or reads something online, and a spiritual life in which a person is taking in 15 minutes a day of spiritual nourishment of this kind, reading a classic of the spiritual life, reading the text of a homily of the Holy Father, reading a brief commentary for each of the days of the liturgical season. Uh, We have such a rich heritage of, of nourishing reading in our Catholic spiritual tradition. And today there are so many wonderful things that are out there. What will happen is that through these two channels, the 15 minutes of meditation and the 15 minutes of spiritual reading, a person is taking daily taking in spiritual nourishment. And gradually as a person does this, faith becomes increasingly alive. Our relationship with God becomes increasingly close. We respond more quickly to the events in our marriage and family in the light of Jesus and with Jesus. 
He also invites her, if she can, to make an examination of conscience every evening so that she is not simply, as one person said, not simply reacting to the flow of life, but responding to it, spiritually speaking. So that some point in the day, and generally in the evening, she takes a few minutes to look back over the day with the Lord and review with the Lord how things have gone spiritually, to see what has gone well and give thanks to God and be confirmed in doing the same uh, the next day and going forward, and to see what has not gone well, where she may have failed the Lord in some way. So that seeing that clearly, and as we just said, with great serenity and knowing the immense goodness of God, with great confidence asking his forgiveness, she will be stronger the next day in that same situation to respond differently. Now, I think you can see, as we describe these various means of the spiritual life, why the Venerable Antari calls these the the channels through which God communicates his grace. If we keep those channels open, then God's grace flows into our lives and we become transformed. Then I want to become holy. I want to grow in faith. I want to become more patient. I want to become more prayerful. That's really going to happen in our lives. So both to this married woman and consistently in his spiritual direction, the Venerable Antari will urge people to make some simple and practical and very doable decisions about a structure of their spiritual life, and then to try to keep it, what he calls a holy obstinacy, that I, I'm just not going to give up on this, because that is, that's the engine that moves us forward in the spiritual life. His encouragement for her to live out the life of a good Christian, that she would take God as her king and not the world with its teachings. You know, this is a time when a lot of the isms are beginning to rise up. A lot of chatter is going on all around the people of Piedmont, Italy, France, around the world. And their communication is expanding in a way that they've never experienced before. They have medium as far as the printing press and tracks and conversations that are taking place. And I mean, we experience that today too. We have a lot of chatter and a lot of a lot of isms that are around us, and yet he's saying, "Be that good Christian and take God as your king." And you can see that there's it takes some courage to do that, and uh, he he calls calls her to that, as he says to her, "To glory in professing openly and without fear that I want to be a good Christian and to take God as my king, and not the world with his teachings." I think you can see why, in order to do that, a person needs the spiritual nourishment, needs the kind of program that he has just laid out for her. Because then something like this, which is so different from simply going with the cultural flow, but calls for a conscious choice to be faithful in a culture which is slipping in a different direction, that becomes possible. And not only possible, it becomes happy, becomes hope-filled. And a person who lives this becomes... um, one who radiates that same kind of hope to others as well. Your parallel that you draw between his time and ours as far as the fusion and expansion of of voices competing for our attention is really, really very much on the mark. Um, This was the time when the um, Industrial Revolution made printing cheap for the first time, and so you had an explosion of um, of publication of books and tracts, as you say, and uh, periodicals and pamphlets. And also literacy was rising. So for the first time, in a way that was unprecedented in history, there is a medium for the transmission of ideas. It would be the exact parallel of the digital explosion today. 
which uh, takes that obviously to new levels. But the phenomenon is the same. And within the cacophony of uh, competing voices, here is a man, the Venerable Antari, who is pointing with great surety and serenity and clarity to the one voice that it's most important to live, uh, to hear, the voice of Christ, and to the one center, the one king, to whom to turn and by whose word to live faithfully, and that is Christ, that is God in our lives. So that a person who is living this has a very solid anchor in the midst of troubling times, as were his times, and obviously in a number of ways as are our own. It's also just wonderful to see how he encourages her to live this out very concretely in that Christian way. And the fact that he would outline for her to have the generosity of spirit, the freedom of heart in actions, in bearing suffering, fidelity to spiritual resolutions, peace of heart, joy, love of neighbor. He goes on and on. It's just he is exhorting to virtue, isn't he? To holiness. And is exhorting to holiness, as we just said, not generically, but very specifically, in this case, to a woman who is a married woman with a husband and with children. That's a very rich program. Let's imagine for a a moment a married woman or a married man who lives with those qualities, generosity of spirit, not small, nothing mean about it or limited, but a wide open heart before God and in living the married vocation, a freedom of heart in my actions and in bearing suffering, that nothing is going to make me shrink, shrivel, become cold, become distant, become hard. But there's something warm. There's something free. There's something available to God in living out the actions of each day and in bearing the suffering, which inevitably will be a part of living this vocation, as any vocation obviously includes suffering, but it's in its own specific way in the dynamics of marriage and in raising children and living in the world. Fidelity to spiritual resolutions. It's hard to repeat that too often because the Venerable Antari is really right. These exercises of prayer and our approaching of the sacraments of Mass and Confession, these really are the channels of grace. And if we're faithful to the program that we have established, grace is going to continue to flow through those channels in our life. And then the other things that he uh, warmly invites this woman to become possible, peace of heart, joy, love of my neighbor, in the very concrete reality of the next door neighbor, the people with whom we work, compassion for the weakness of others. There's not much compassion, is there, Chris, in our world today? There's not much tenderness. A person who lives this way will have the compassionate heart that makes a house a home, that makes a family really a united family will have the kind of compassionate heart that can change the climate in a workplace. Goodness, patience, forbearance, warmth, openness to others and all that is not offensive to God. So if a person wants to do this or that, it's provided it's not offensive to God to be very open to others. And that, he tells her, is the character that he invites her repeatedly and over and over again to ask of of Jesus and of Mary. We have so much more to discuss about the wonderful teachings and life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. I wish we had more time in this segment, but in closing, any final thoughts? I think the most important of all of the things we've said is the Venerable Lanteri's gentle, repeated, 
invitation to refuse to accept discouragement. So he tells this woman, if you fall even a thousand times a day, a thousand times a day, just with peace, get up and begin again. To refuse ever to accept discouragement, but to know that the call is always to rise right now, immediately, and to turn to God, knowing the infinite love and welcome and delight in that Father's heart that awaits us when we turn there, and to begin again with new hope and with new energy. I'll just say thank you so much, Father Gallagher. And thank you, Chris. You've been listening to Begin Again, the spiritual legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We pray that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we ask that you tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Begin Again, the spiritual legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri with Father Timothy Gallagher.